0: Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon, Tony. It's National Give Someone a Dollar Day. Have you given anyone a dollar today?
1: Tony Corners, yeah, I, I paid the intern for the week. Wow. A a buck. Okay. You know, how much more do you need? All right, you've sort yeah.
0: of ignored inflation since the 1960s, haven't you?
1: I've done that too, and there's no cost of living increase no, for the intern. Not. Doesn't work that way. No. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. We will get to the World Series no-hitter in a moment, but we begin today with developing news about Kyrie Irving. Last night, the Nets and Irving released a statement with the Anti-Defamation League in which they agreed to donate $500,000 each towards, quote, causes and organizations that work to eradicate hate and intolerance in our communities, unquote. In the statement, Irving said he took responsibility for what was seen as his endorsement of an anti-Semitic book and movie, but he did not apologize nor did he during a brief media session today. Also today, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver issued a statement calling Irving's original social media post, quote, a reckless decision, unquote, and added that he was, quote, disappointed. Kyrie has not offered an unqualified apology and more specifically denounced the vile and harmful content contained in the film he chose to publicize, unquote. Silver further said he would meet with Irving in the next week. Wilbon, what do you make of these developments?
0: Well, Tony, we'll start with the half-million-dollar donation, which will benefit someone. Those are real dollars. They will benefit someone to that effort. But, Tony, it's fraudulent in that it's just a a PR effort. I mean, and, and the reason it's fraudulent is because Kyrie Irving did not, as usual, take any accountability for, in this case, his words. He never does. Now, among his words, and I listened to every word of his press conference, he said he is a guiding light. He, Kyrie Irving, a guiding light. Which says to me, because he loses me there, he's just a dangerous egomaniac. That's what he is. So he never takes accountability. He doesn't get it. He turned himself into a victim. I'm sure you heard it too. So he's a victim and he's a guiding light. Which means there's no accountability whatsoever. And that is why Adam Silver, in part, is going to wind up talking to him, Tony. The league understands. I know the commissioner must understand what this makes Everybody look like who just passes on Kyrie Irving if they do. This is a problem. Yeah. All
1: right. So when I first heard about the donation to the ADL, I thought, well, what is this about? He hasn't apologized. You're just throwing money at this? Yeah. You think you can get him out on the court by throwing money at, at the problem without an apology? And I thought, you got to be kidding, right? I'm... Mike, this is personal for me on a lot of levels, differently than most people, because I am Semitic myself. I have watched you on the show many times say people who look like me can't go here or can't do this, and I listen and watch with great sympathy. I know what the Holocaust was. I know that people who look like me were exterminated like rats. So I know what the extent of anti-Semitism can be, and it makes me very, very... Nervous and afraid in those sorts of situations. Um, I was amazed, Mike, that the league condemned anti-Semitism as hate speech, but never mentioned Kyrie Irving, My who name. I felt endorsed That's right. that particular hate speech. Now, I'm glad Adam Silver has stood up because I thought he was acting very weakly. I'm glad he has stood up. In effect, he has called Kyrie Irving to the principal's office. I think he's given him a week because he hopes there'll be an apology and he won't have to do something like suspend him. But down the road, I think he's going to have to, and I'll tell you why, Mike. This is the league of Robert Sarver and the league of Donald Sterling. It is the league that is against hate on all levels. It can't just be for the owners. That's right. It's got to be for the players. That's too. right, Tony.
0: This has a lot more... Look, Tom, I said this the first day, that Kyrie is the biggest problem. But way larger than firing Steve Nash and all this other stuff, Kyrie's the big problem with that team, that franchise, it attaches itself to the league. If the league doesn't say, no, we're not with you. The union, n- name him. We're not talking about all your players. We're talking about this dude who's dangerous because he's smart enough, though he's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is or nearly as literate as he thinks he is. He is a dangerous dude because he's smart enough to Tony appeal to some people and have some, some um, uh, charisma to him, strangely and, and weirdly enough. And so this is a problem the league is going to have to deal with. There's no running from it. There's no hiding from it. We move to the World Series with four Astros pitchers combining last night to no-hit the Phillies, only the second no-hitter in World Series history. The first, of course, is the most famous no-hitter of all, Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. Christian Javier was the Astros starter last night. He brilliantly went six innings and struck out nine Phillies. Earlier this season, Javier started a combined no-no against the Yankees. Alec Baum and Kyle Schwarber downplayed the impact of the no-hitter and what it might mean to the Phillies, with Baum saying, quote, nobody cares, close quote. Tone, what impact do you think this no-hitter will now have on the rest of the series?
1: Yeah. So I know this was technically a no-hitter. I I get that. And I have an appreciation for the relievers as they came in, inning after inning after inning, not wanting to give up a hit and and – keep the no-hitter. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not impressed with those kinds of no-hitters as much as other kinds. I'm more like Alec Bowman in the sense I go, oh, okay. And I get it, Mike. Starters have a pitch count and relievers come in for one inning. That's baseball today. But this was not Don Larson. To the question at hand, how will it affect the rest of the series? I don't think it'll affect it much. I'll tell you what. In the first game, Houston's up 5 nothing and they lose the game. They should have been left for dead at that point. And the next game, they got five runs off Zach Wheeler, okay? And then Philadelphia comes back and hits five home runs. And then last night, there's this combined no-hitter. So the pattern is lose one, win one, lose one, win yeah. one. So I should probably vote for Philadelphia tonight. I'm a little leery because it looks like if Syndergaard can't go long, it's an entire bullpen game. I don't think that favors them. Yeah, I don't know that it impacts the series at all. But like you, Tony... So last
0: night, I'm watching that game, and it's 5 nothing and I get tired of it. And I'm not sure I knew it was a no-hitter once a reliever comes in, because that's not a no-hitter to us. It's not. I watched lots of no-hitters in yeah. my life as a kid and a teenager and as an adult covering baseball. That's not a no-hitter. So, Tony, the celebration was so muted. Luckily, I had a friend call me in the 8th and say, are you, are you watching this? They're going to complete a no-hitter. And I go, what what are you talking about? I'm I'm watching the NBA now. I've gone. And the celebration was so muted. It wasn't anybody running out to the mound and jumping on somebody. Because you got three, four pitchers. That's today's baseball. And it's part of what's wrong with today's baseball. It's part of what doesn't resonate. And baseball's got to live with that. And I guess they don't care because they want to have pitch counts. But it wasn't a no-hitter like uh, I'm used to no-hitter. Yeah. And Chris, it's not was Ricky Barrow Javier.
1: jumping into no, Don Larson, it a picture that we all know. It normally, wasn't. as we move on, normally when we talk about conference expansion or realignment, we're talking about football. This time it's about potential basketball expansion. ESPN reports that Gonzaga has talked directly to the Big 12 about leaving the West Coast Conference and joining the Big 12. Furthermore, both the Pac-12 and the Big East also have engaged Gonzaga in conversation. Wilbon would have moved to the Big 12, help or hurt Gonzaga. Tony, I think it might help better prepare Gonzaga for March
0: if they're in that and they're playing those teams all along because you got recent champions and Final Four participants galore in that conference. It's a basketball – well, I shouldn't say that because for a lot of years it had damn good football too. But, Tony, Gonzaga to me – I don't know. I, 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 I think Gonzaga, it's a selfish move and they are have every right to make that move if they want, because it's going to better help prepare them. Does it help college basketball yeah. in general? No. I mean, does it further dilute mm. the tribalism that makes college sports or has made college sports worth the fanatical following? It has. It doesn't help that at all. It hurts it. But I understand Gonzaga's purpose is going to help them. They should do it if they want.
1: I sat here for years and said the same thing. They're never going to win the NCAA tournament if they stay in that conference. You have to play ranked teams in February and early March, and they didn't have to do that. They played them early in December, and it didn't matter, and they haven't won. They've been a number one seed for the last five years, and they haven't won. They got to the finals twice, and they lost twice. This move would be a great move for them. They'll lose more games in the regular season, but they're going to get in the tournament because they're a great basketball school, and they will be prepared for the NCAAs. The Big East seems wacky to me. Pac-12, I don't, know, seems I don't good. even think the Big East is as good as the Big 12. Pac-12. I think they could go to – I don't think the Pac-12 is as good as the Big 12, but they could go there. Yeah. And they could certainly go to the Big NBA 12. Because Big 12 – Kansas is a pre- preeminent basketball power in this country. What makes it interesting for the Big 12 is that they would have then – one team in every time zone, all four time zones, they could call themselves America's Conference, though nobody would pay nobody attention. Let's take a break. Coming up, could the unbeaten Eagles be complacent against the lousy Texans, Texans tonight? We're going to ask Steve Young. We'll also ask him what the Rams can do to fix their awful running game. They should go to the Pack. I'm going to 12. go back to Kyrie for a second, yeah. Mike. I was disappointed in the Nets. They yeah. just wanted to get him on the court. That's all they want to do? They They want to go away. Throw a half million. Pardon
2: the interruption is presented by Guinness. Please drink responsibly. Part of happy hour. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code PTI. That's code PTI. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Please drink responsibly, part of happy
1: hour. We have breaking news here. We're being told week nine of the NFL kicks off tonight, which makes it a perfect time to welcome back our great friend, the man who really persevered when he had to sit behind Joe Montana and me on the Niners, Mr. Steve Young. We're going to start with this. The Eagles are 7-0. and They're rolling. They play against the lowly Texans on a short week tonight. Some have wondered, Steve, whether the Eagles could be complacent. In your experience, is complacency at the NFL level a real thing? And if it is, how does one guard against it?
4: So 100% chance that the complacency is a real thing, Tony. Kevin Millar is an old Major League Baseball player, a friend of mine, and we always used to laugh about, he'd say, 162 games, do you know what that rigor's like? And I'm like, 16 games is nothing. But he has no idea of the emotional, intellectual, physical, spiritual even, height that you need to go to to go play great football. And to get ready every week you know, baseball, I've been in the I've been in the locker room before a game in a baseball game. It's like, where's the spread? Hey, well, who got a newspaper? Like 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 you you know what I'm saying. It's like I, exactly. you don't need to go that far. Hey, I got a 15-day disabless for the for the blister. You know, it's like it's a whole different game. I get that 162 is a lot. I'm not disrespecting it, but what I'm saying is to get ready to play football is an emotional rigor every week. And so when you go up against somebody that's supposedly perceptually not as good. You're you're just human nature is you don't put the time and effort to get that emotional, spiritual, mental, intellectual, physical readiness, and so it's real. And in football, that's why Newt Rockney's famous: make a great speech, get the emotion up, and go play great football. And so, yes, watch out. Trap games are real in the NFL. Uh, One guy who seems to be up every week is Geno Smith, who is now
0: suddenly playing like a star with the Seahawks, as you know. Steve, how important is it, and and we know you had this Mm. at the beginning of of your career, to be in the right place, right time, that's really going to help decide whether you can be good or not so good?
4: No question. I mean, all of us need tons of help to be great in the NFL. Tom Brady needs, you know, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick needs Tom Brady. We We need great players. You need weapons. You need, like, a great offensive line. Like, football's just built that way. And so the idea that there's... There's, are there 32 great places for quarterbacks in the NFL today? No. 20 years ago, were there three? Maybe. Today, are there double-digit? Yes. If I had a son, there might be 12 places I'd like him to be. But there are, you know, 20 places I'm like, oh, please don't go there. So there, quarterback is a unique position. You need a lot of help. You need a lot of focus. And, 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 and again, you don't need to be um, coddled. But you need the whole organization to be focused on how can I make this quarterback great. And when you find those spaces, and it doesn't necessarily have to be offensively like Pete Carroll's doing it in Seattle, has done it for a long time, you get those places and you can flourish. And when they are there, you never want to leave.
0: Well, the Rams have been a pretty good place for quarterback the last couple of years, but now they don't seem to be such a good place for running backs. Sean McVay has said he feels like he's wasting plays when he calls for a run, which seems pretty dramatic to me an admission, Steve. Have you ever had that situation, and what do you do if you have it when you feel you're wasting plays when you call a run?
4: Yeah, Michael, you got to remember the West Coast offense was built around the idea that you could throw a three-yard hitch to Dwight Clark and replicate what a run would be like, but it's actually through a pass. The game today, now 30, 40 years later, is really the same thing. All the slip screens, all those easy yards that quarterbacks are getting are essentially extensions of the run. So the run game, when you say a fundamentally just handing, turning around and handing it to the back, those days are kind of over, not completely, but the teams that can do it today, they have a leg up. And if you don't have it, the Rams are understaffed right now, understaffed at back, they're understaffed at receiver. They're understaffed because they went all in for the Super Bowl. They got it. And now they're like the the, the cupboards are a little bare today. So I understand why Sean McVay is saying that. But in the game today, the run game, obviously still important, but there's a lot of ways to do to do the run game. And I think that's where the great teams like the Chiefs and the Bills take advantage of that.
1: We will get you out of here on this. Having mentioned Sean McVay, his grandfather, John McVay, passed away earlier this week. We associate names like yours, Steve Young, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Bill Walsh with those legendary 49er teams that you were on. You knew John McVay. What role did he play on those teams? Think about the mercurial uh,
4: uh, genius of Bill Walsh the mercurial genius of Eddie DeBartolo, two Hall of Famers in, in in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and in between, the guy who got it done. All these incredible ideas that both of them had on how to build partnership with players that's never been talked about before. Uh, how we can travel, how with nutrition, mental health. Um, all the things that are not commodities today, they were talking about amongst them, the two of them. And in between, the guy who enacted it all, who took all the great thoughts and things and actually put it on paper and got the, pe- pe- the places and, and put, put the people in the places, that was John McVeigh. And so he deserves an immense amount of credit. Rest in peace, John McVeigh, the great one. Thank you
1: so much, Steve, as always. Absolutely, Thank Steve. you. Appreciate
4: it. Okay. You bet, guys. Take care.
1: You can catch Steve on Monday Night Countdown, this week featuring the Ravens at the Saints. We will take one last break, but still to come, the Sixers get some bad news about James Harden. Yeah. The Tiger Woods will reportedly return to the match. We will
0: review the foursome. You know Steve's really been in the baseball clubhouse. Where's the spread is the most commonly asked question (laughs) before or after every baseball game. And Tony, we're not going to talk about Tommy Lasorda and how Tommy would consume...
2: Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two... Pardon the interruption is presented by Guinness. Please drink responsibly, part of Happy Hour.
1: Happy time, people. Happy 37th birthday, Tyler Hansbrough. Hansbrough was the consensus college player of the year in 2008 and the biggest star on the 2009 North Carolina NCAA championship team that rolled through the tournament, winning each game by at least 12 points. North Carolina ranked number one this season, which begins for them next Monday with UNC Wilmington. Tar Heels have four returning starters from the team that lost to Kansas in last year's NCAA final game, and they've given Hubert Davis a new six-year coaching contract. Hansrell was the 13th overall pick in the NBA draft by Indiana. He had a middling seven-year NBA career, averaging 6.7 points, but he was a great college player, a warrior, bloodied but unbowed, known appropriately as Psycho T. Tony, I thought he was going
0: to have more like a Bill Lane Beer kind of NBA career without the thuggishness, but I mean skilled. And you know, I thought he'd add more range to his shot and be like that, but it didn't. Yeah, it didn't work out that way. My work out. My scouting bad.
1: <clears throat> Happy anniversary, Arkansas! On this day, 21 years ago, the Razorbacks and Eli Manning's old Miss Squad were tied 17-17 after regulation. After a then-record seven overtimes, Kansas, Arkansas, rather prevailed, 58-56. Manning finished with a school record six touchdown passes, five of which were thrown in the overtimes. The NCAA keeps tinkering with the overtime rules, hoping to avoid marathon games like this one, which lasted four hours, 14 minutes. This year, beginning in the second overtime, teams must try a two-point conversion after each touchdown. Beginning in the third OT, teams must run two-point conversion plays instead of their normal offensive possessions. At some point, I imagine they'll go to a soccer shootout. Yeah, at one point it was like four
0: OTs, now it's two, but when you go for the two-point conversion, that's what they're trying to get to. How can we condense this? But they need to, Tone, because regular games without overtime are still going four hours in NCAA football. Yeah.
1: A melancholy trails to Ray Guy. The only punter in the Hall of Fame died Thursday morning after a long illness at the age of 72. Guy was the first pure punter ever taken in the first round of the NFL draft. The Oakland Raiders selected him out of Southern Mississippi where he had also played kicker and safety. Over his 14-year NFL career, Guy was All-Pro three times, part of three Super Bowl-winning teams. Guy was a finalist for the Hall of Fame seven times before finally getting the call in 2014. He punted the ball so high in the air that Oilers coach Bum Phillips seriously con- suggested the Raiders were filling special balls with helium. Tony, I was in that room for many, if not all, those seven. I guess it wasn't all
0: seven. I was in there for voting for the Hall of Fame candidates. And I always voted for Ray Guy. I thought Ray Guy belonged. And I think it was some of the more old school guys who, you know, from decades and decades ago thought, you know, maybe a putter doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad he's in. But he, he belonged in
1: earlier. Yeah, absolutely. One omission today. If the prompter comes up for me, James Harden strained a tendon in his right foot. Expected to miss a month. And Ravens Ooh. wide receiver Rashad Bateman undergoing season-ending Liz Frank surgery. Quick to the Mr. big Reeves, finish. We let's don't do have it. Much time. Here we go. Luka Doncic, first NBA player since Wilt to score 30-plus in each of the first seven games of the season. You're impressed? Yes, but they only fought four and three. He's got to do too
0: much. they they got to figure that balance out long before the playoffs. Dolphins and new pass rusher Bradley Chubb agreed on a five-year extension With $63 million
1: guaranteed, is that significant? Booger had this yesterday. Whatever the fried egg is, the fried egg reports that Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth will compete in the match on December 10th. Is that a good force? Yes,
0: of course. It's any Sunday leaderboard. Lakers won an OT after a buzzer-beating three by Matt Ryan to tie the game in regulation. Your reaction?
1: Maybe they found a shooter. Last one. Thursday Night Football, Eagles and Texans. Are you smelling upset? Uh, No, I'm not going to find out either because I'm going to have a
0: clicker. Are you doing that whole, you know, buy your purchase your Thursday Night Football? I haven't done that yet.
1: We're out of time. Try and do better the next time. Bob Dolan, shout out. I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow on Knuckleheads. You can get
0: the podcast on the ESPN app or Apple podcast. Bob Dolan, shout out indeed. Now, here's SportsCenter.